You're listening to America's Web Radio, your voice in the matter. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. And it is another beautiful day in the Jewish state. And I want to start off this radio show by saying thank you. Thank you, thank you to the guys at America's Web Radio who bring the truth about the Jewish state to the grassroots of the United States. The truth about Israel, as this country is number one in technology, agriculture, and medicine, that the world doesn't get. Uh, If we understood truly what the Jewish people have contributed to the betterment, to the blessing of our general society, we would stand stronger with this country. I want to say thank you. Thank you to the guys in America's Web Radio who bring this truth uh, week after week for the past three and a half years. Thank you. The, The Jewish people thank you. But there is a voice that is extended beyond the borders of Israel in the Middle East that tells their story of their greatness and their fight for sovereignty and security. I also want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the radio show. Thank you for listening, for paying attention to what is happening here, the small country here in the Middle East as the the growth of anti-Semitism spreads through leftists and through Islam. Thank you for listening, for hearing their voice, for listening to their story, for standing for their cause. Thank you. I also want to say thank you to everyone who watches, who looks, who likes, who comments, who shares in our social media on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook. Thank you for that. Please, please share our social media. Share what you're seeing, the truth that you're seeing here at the, at the grassroots here in Israel. The everyday Israeli, their life, as you hear their stories, and you see their successes and know their struggles. as they bless the world and fight for their freedom every day. Thank you. I also want to say thank you to everyone who gives the chocolates for heroes. You'll never know. You can never even wrap your mind around what a young soldier, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and an officer, 23, 24, and older, what it means to them to know that Americans stand with them with a simple note on a chocolate bar. Thank you for that. Please get involved with Chocolates for Heroes. Go to my Facebook page, go to Michael Gano, G-A-N-O-E, or go to Insight to Israel. Send me an email there. Look up InsightToIsrael.org. Send an email about how you can get involved with Chocolates for Heroes and show your love, your prayers, and support for these brave young men and women that fight for freedom every day. Look at the testimonies from the soldiers and see how a simple note affects their morale, changes their mentality, and boosts their spirits. 
thank you for all those that have gotten involved. God bless you. So, this week's show, you're going to uh, hear some very unique stories uh, as we come up on the 40th anniversary on July the 4th of the rescue in Entebbe, Entebbe, Uganda, where a Muslim and a German woman who was a declared Nazi boarded a plane in Greece a French airline that had come from Tel Aviv had a stopover in Greece on its way to France and was hijacked in 1976 the Jews and non-Jews were separated it stopped off it went from uh, went to Libya stopped there then on to Uganda the Jews and non-Jews were separated and the Jews whether they were Israeli or not were set aside and held for ransom until the Israeli government released Muslims that were accused found guilty of committing attacks of violence against the Jewish people here in Israel and the Israeli government was not willing and should never be willing to compromise with terrorists instead with no help from the United States government, with no help from global governments, they set out by the command of and the planning of Lieutenant Colonel Yonatan Yoni Netanyahu. They set out to rescue uh, these Jews that were being held captive successfully. The odds were against them. Uh, it was a it, it was a rescue that was purely a miracle by the hand of God Himself that rescued all of these hostages, except for two, three, Yoni Netanyahu, and apparently one of the hostages died, was shot, and then a lady that was taken to a hospital, a Jewish lady that was taken to a hospital, who's uh, who was sick. And when all of the hostages that were rescued, and uh, this woman was left behind, they dragged her out of her hospital bed into the forest where she was murdered by Idi Amin and her body burned. Thank God that body was recovered. Uh, after the fall of Idi Amin, who was the dictator, the military junta dictator in Uganda, her body was recovered. And she was brought home. So you're going to hear stories uh, from a soldier and a civilian that were involved. And in Tabby, we had an event uh, where these folks shared their story with new Olim, new immigrants. And there were Israelis too, Israeli-born Jews that were there as well. But many of them were new immigrants. We had about 80 people, 80, 90 people that were there. And at the end of this event, <clears throat> we, we had an Israeli flag, and most of the people that were there signed this flag, and on July the 4th, uh, which is this Monday, we're actually going to take that flag to Mount Herzl in Jerusalem, do a video, and say thank you to Yoni Netanyahu. 
for his bravery and to all the soldiers that were involved in this amazing rescue and the civilians that survived to tell their story. So, on this 40th anniversary coming up on July the 4th, if you're not Jewish, as an American, on Independence Day, as you celebrate your freedom, know that if it had not been for the Jewish people receiving Torah, the Pentateuch, uh, Mosaic Law, the first five books of the Bible from God, then we as Americans would not have a U.S. Constitution or a Bill of Rights. Because thus, this is the crux, the foundation of our great country. The principles of the Torah, the Pentateuch, Mosaic Law, the first five books of the Bible, taken and applied to that U.S. Constitution, which gives us our liberty as Americans. America is merely an idea, a concept. But if we want to restore that concept, that idea that has been lost long ago, that it no longer remains in truth the foundation of the U.S., we must go back to the concrete, which is God, the Bible, the Jewish people, and Israel. If we want to regain the concept, the vision, the dream of individual responsibility, of small government, lower taxes, and all of these moral ethical things, we must come back to the Jewish state and show our support and our love and our prayers. We must come back to that. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. Folks, I hope you enjoy this week's program. I have to read it because the main issue is not like you. <laughs> okay. In June uh, 1976, I served as a officer in the paratrooper In June and July that year, the paratrooper brigade was operational activity in the Golan Heights. After the Yom Kippur War, the IDF uh, had only two infantry uh, brigades, Golani and uh, Paratoka. Now we have four, Kibati, Nachal, but on that time there is only uh, two uh, brigades. Uh, one brigade was uh, charged in the border of the uh, three months and uh, replaced by the second one. On uh, June 27, uh, 1976, flight uh, 139 from uh, Tel Aviv uh, to Paris, uh, Air France uh, was kidnapped right after a stopover in, in uh, Athens. At that time, the plane were uh, uh, 248 uh, passengers and uh, 12 uh, crew members. The kidnappers were uh, two uh, German terrorists, members of the revolution cells, Beja was the commander, if I remember the name, Beja, his name, okay. And uh, two Palestinian terrorists, member of the uh, Palestinian Liberation Movement, Gilo. They soon landed in uh, Benghazi, uh, Libya, where the plane passed for seven hours, uh, refused, and uh, joined uh, the Icarus and other three Palestinian terrorists. The commander of the terrorist uh, ordered the pilot to fly to Antepe, Uganda, a distance of about uh, 3,008 uh, kilometers from Israel. It's almost the same from Tel Aviv to, to London. Now we imagine it was uh, the distance. 
In Uganda, one of uh, the third day kidnapped in June uh, 1929, uh, the terrorists uh, separated the Israeli and the Jewish among their passengers, and they arrived all uh, of the old terminal at the airport and freed the rest of the passenger. That was their first mistake and the big mistake that they made because uh, our intelligence uh, fly to Paris and uh, they asked uh, the people that uh, they arrested, they uh, freed them, well, what is the terminal, uh, who is the terrorist, and uh, about this uh, information, we can uh, try to, uh, to take care or to understand how to make the operation. Five days after the French plane uh, hijacked, uh, on July 1st, the paratrooper division was in the Golan Heights. Now I tell you about my story. In the evening on Thursday, uh, 1st of July, I joined to Brigadier Commander Colonel Matan Vinay, now he's ambassador in China, uh, to a lecture uh, that he gave about the regiment, platoon of a regiment, Shimon Montishim, 890, that is one of the battalion of the paratrooper. Uh, away from our base in the Golan. In around 6.30 in the evening, while giving the lecture, a call, a call came in a front infantry paratrooper officer, Brigadier General Dan Shumbon, that is the commander of the operation, okay, uh, uh, was in the call. Matan Vilney sent me to answer the phone instead of him. Dan Shumbon asks me to stop the lecture of my commander immediately and bring him immediately to the telephone. Of course, in those days, there were no mobile phone, and that's only the line phone. Uh, he ordered me, to, uh, my commander, to drive uh, urgently to a special command post near Petrovica. There is a Sayyid Matkal was there place. My commander ordered me, Matan, to return back to the Golan Heights to, uh, to organize the brigade and uh, to announce Nehemiah Tamari. He was uh, one of the battalion uh, 898. Uh, and Shmuli uh, Kavad, he was also a battalion uh, number 202, to arrive almost immediately to the camp in the center of Israel, in Petit Tikva. Uh, indeed, in uh, 11 at night, uh, we uh, all met uh, for an initial briefing. It was the first time that I began understanding and realized that there is a, be a military operation to return the kidnapped people back to home. That is only uh, uh, two days before the, the operation. At the same time, on the evening of uh, July, uh, the 1st July, Israel Air Force made a flight, uh, flight exercise, flight elimination uh, with the sea, uh, air policy 170 aircraft landing in Sharm Sheikh. Sharm Sheikh is in uh, the peninsula Sinai. There was an uh, air force base uh, that belonged to the us. Uh, the practice include uh, shouting down the runway lights while they landing. The success of this uh, practice led uh, to a proof given to do the operation as planned. Because the most important thing when a uh, plane is uh, landed, if you will uh, shout down the light of the runway, uh, the aircraft can crash. Okay. So that it was very important how to land with, uh, with this uh, kind of uh, okay. uh, 
on, on Friday, July the 2nd, we did a little uh, exercise also operation. Uh, I, as a responsible for the communication and the operation division, make sure that all the radio equipment uh, will uh, work uh, good, uh, test the device uh, by technician, brief uh, the operation uh, fighter and the commander uh, to have full control and coordinate, coordinate between the forces by the radio nets. And uh, that is only Friday, that is only one day that we have take, uh, uh, take uh, exercise uh, to, to, to be uh, in the right position to do the operation. On Friday evening, we made another exercise model uh, of landing and taking over the control tower, mar- uh, marking the runway, taking over the civilian terminal, refueling plants and, uh, plants and uh, return. We had the proof that the Minister of Defense, the Minister of Defense was Shimon Peres, and the Prime Minister was Yitzhak uh, Rabin, okay, uh, that we can do it, okay. We made some uh, more practice and uh, provide briefings some, uh, to the commanders, receiving permission to sleep at home, and uh, report the following day on Sunday morning to be in camp number uh, 27, Baha Islam Sheva, that was an uh, uh, Air Force base uh, near Ben Gurion. Uh, on the July the 2nd day, it's my anniversary, the second anniversary, Okay, this was the second, uh, second anniversary year with, uh, my, uh, with my wife. She also is an army uh, officer. And uh, I had to explain her why I abstained from an uh, event uh, plan uh, uh, for Friday evening. And my cover story was uh, that we are preparing an operation in Lebanon. On that time, operation in Lebanon, it's uh, something that we are used to do. Okay. <laughs> So uh, now we get how we get the, the, the green light. On uh, July the third, uh, the third of July, on Saturday morning, we arrived to Air Force Base number 27, received a final briefing ahead of time around one o'clock in, uh, at noon. Uh, uh, we are uh, we, we took off uh, flying uh, low altitude towards uh, to Sharm El that is was uh, you said that is your first time that you are born. It's also my first time that I'm also born, and I was uh, 25 years old. Okay, the flu was uh, with the command group uh, I, uh, of the first uh, plan division, which include the command group operation commander Dan Shobon, Matan Vilnai, uh, and. Uh, also Yoni Netanyahu and Sayeret Matkar, Special Operational Commando Unit, uh, commanded by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Yoni Netanyahu, uh, along with the black Mercedes car. Uh, I think that you all uh, know about the Mercedes and about the legend of the Mercedes, okay? Uh, one of the aircraft, number four, was equipped uh, with an inter- uh, internal uh, fuel tank designed for allowing to return of the hostage with non-stop, uh, with non-stop, uh, non-stop flight. That's right. No? You want to fly the to Kenya also? No, because in the first time, uh, okay, uh, until uh, two o'clock, the government don't don't approve uh, uh, this operation. Okay, so we are spend uh, two hours in. Uh, 
Sharamshek until we get, uh, then we get some uh, information and photograph that the Mossad take three days before about the terminal, the new one and the old one. There was two terminals in the, in Antebe, in the Antebe airport. The new one, that was our, uh, the Brigade 35 was taking care of it, the runway, the control tower, that is our... Uh, uh, do you know how many uh, fighters was uh, involved in uh, Antebe? Okay. How much? Mm-hmm. Almost 200. Uh, yes. 60 from Fatima uh, Shloshimhan from the paratrooper, 60, we are 60 uh, fighters. Uh, Sayyid Matkal uh, was two teams, 35 uh, that with Yoni Netanyahu, Muki Betzer, they take care of the, uh, the kidnap. Uh, Shaul Mufaz was with other 35, he was major on that time. He take care of the, uh, the Air Force. There was an Air Force base in Antebe that belonged to Ugandan Air Force. And uh, 45 uh, from Golani, that they uh, came with the third airplane uh, to help you to come from the, uh, from the terminal to the first, uh, to, to the fourth uh, uh, airplane. That's right. There was a car there. Oh, okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, as I mentioned, uh, Hercules number one, two, and three was no refuel, so no doet and uh, need to refuel. And therefore, the third plane was a carry vehicle with a pump uh, that finally was, uh, 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 we get approval to, uh, to land in uh, Nairobi, and we didn't need the, the fuel pump. And uh, finally, uh, uh, the pump was. Uh, uh, was being left in Antebe, the pump was cost almost one million dollars. Uh-huh. And, the, the, and the car was Peugeot, uh, it's a van, Peugeot. And uh, because it belonged to one of the officers, he preferred to take the Peugeot and not the pump. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now... Uh, Okay, around uh, four, uh, the afternoon we received the government approval and uh, four aircraft lose uh, south low attitude uh, in silence. The estimated flight time was uh, eight hours and we were expected to land at uh, midnight, uh, around midnight. At the airport, as I say, the almost 4,000 kilometer distance from Israel. We had no uh, appetite. Uh, me, like others, uh, sat quietly, thinking, thinking. Uh, we took pills, kind of pills that uh, make you to sleep, not to get the uh, stomach. Uh, <laughs> and uh, okay, and uh, it's uh, and because the the attention and before uh, because we are not sleep. Uh, this uh, where we are uh, exercised uh, we, sleep, we fall asleep Dan Shobron, Matan Vilnai uh, Yoni slept in the cockpit okay and uh, Sayyid Matkal uh, uh, 
slept in the Mercedes. And uh, we are the paratrooper uh, slept on the rear ramp of the aircraft near the Mercedes car. <laughs> there is no seat in the aircraft. Okay, uh, at about half past uh, ten at night, uh, about an hour before uh, the scheduled landing time, everyone began to wake up and uh, make a key in the position of the... There is a uh, small uh, screen in the aircraft. Okay. We stayed in a line. Okay. <laughs> and uh, then we organized the weapons, the equipment, uh, and uh, we wear a white hat. Uh, why we wear a white uh, hat? Because that is... Because the Uganda are black people, and we want to uh, who is our uh, fighter and who is Uganda. <laughs> no, I, I, until now I have the, the white Cora uh, Temple. <laughs> who is the group? <laughs> okay. On midnight, the first Hercules, I was in the first Hercules, a uh, plane landed and then made the stop uh, diamond slow on the runway. Uh, uh, side doors open and uh, the Ronald Mog, do you remember him, do you know him? Now he's a very famous guy. He was the commander of Sayeret 35, that is a special group of Khatiba uh, 35. Uh, they jumped uh, from the, the, the door, the, the airplane uh, of the rear door and two side doors. Uh, when the, the, the aircraft start to move on the runway, they jump on the, the airplane and they put uh, lights on the runway, okay? And uh, uh, that was a very... Uh, uh, that's what happened. After the second uh, uh, Hercules landed, the people in the control tower uh, understand that something, uh, something happened. First of all, the, the first Hercules was not supposed to land at the midnight. No airplane to, no civilian airplanes planned to, to land it. And then the second one, something happened. And they turned off, uh, shut down the, the light. And uh, uh, because the Sayeret 35 put the lights, uh, the runway was, uh, uh, was free. Okay? Uh, uh, we entered the, then in the uh, with the first uh, time that we landed is the same as you came to to airport uh, Ben Gurion light full light like uh, in the middle of the, the day okay and uh, they not such uh, they they don't uh, shut down the, the light uh, not the terminal only the the runway, the runway. Uh, so. We are all the time in uh, full light, and Sayeret uh, Matkal take the Mercedes and start to go to the, uh, the all the terminal. We, they came with us, and we came with them. <laughs> they came with us, and, and uh, with the paratrooper uh, with uh, Matan and Mechemet uh, Amari and Shmuel Karad started to go to the, uh, the to the new uh, terminal, and. Uh, what happened there, uh, we saw some uh, Uganda's uh, uh, policemen. They start to run away. One of them uh, shoot uh, 
as a baseball player. Michael Jordan's basketball strength has put him on the Wheaties box 18 times. However, we all know that strength comes in many other forms, such as academics, emotions, and spirituality. Recently, I visited a museum featuring the strongest man in the world. His name was Paul Anderson, who grew up in Toccoa, Georgia, and won his strength title as an Olympic champion many times. Yet, it was his inner strength in caring for children that made him a greater champion. This athlete's compassion was better than a box of cereal and lasted longer than all of his gold medals. God looks at our inner strength and supplies it when we're weak. The Apostle Paul reminded us of the true source of strength when he said that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What's your claim to fame? Who's your source of strength? If you think that you can do it all on your own, you're wrong and you're weak. If you ask God to make you strong, you can't go wrong. This is John Bryan bringing you today's Key Word. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And they understood something. They said, wow, if the terrorists, instead of shooting us and a fight with us on the floor, they were shooting to the plane waiting for us, all the mission was finished. <laughs> and they just realized it when we were on the site. So uh, we can understand that first the decision to send 200 soldiers to save us. It was a decision that I'm not sure today somebody can do it and take this kind of decision. Risk. 
So I want to give chapeau to our soldier and also to uh, Israel Rabin and Shimon Peres and all these people who took the decision because it was a very, very difficult decision to take. Thank you very much. To leadership that works. Elan, um, I have a, a question. You're 25 years old. You're about to celebrate your second anniversary. And they tell you you're flying to Entebbe. And they reveal a little bit of, of, of the mission to you. Were you like, you guys are crazy? I mean, as an individual who is about to go and is responsible for the success of this mission... Did you feel that you would be successful? Did you think this was possible? Uh, you know, I'm a professional. <laughs> so, uh, and I didn't realize about the operation. We understand it after we return back. Okay. It's not the first time that I make an operation. Or mm-hmm. I was in uh, Aviv Nurim. It's a very famous one in uh, 1973 in uh, the uh, middle of Beirut. And uh, I take uh, as a signal officer, okay? But I, I'm professional. I, I did what they, they uh, expect uh, to do. I think that that is, uh, that is our job. Um, for you, when when you're there and you arrive to Entebbe, did you know what was happening? Were the terrorists at all communicating with you, the hostages, as to their demands? Um, when did it... Be, you knew you were kidnapped and hijacked. I guess you figure that out when you don't land in Paris. But... Um, or I guess when you have the gun to your head for three hours, good indicator. But um, what what did you know there, isolated from what we knew? We had no idea what you knew. Again, no communications. Um, this uh, German bitch, uh, when we were on the plane, um, I had had 16 cups of coffee and I really needed to, and we had to raise our arms to go get permission to go to the bathroom and in early on when he, as he's describing everyone was so uptight until they knew they had the plane under they had us under control she escorted me to the bathroom and she stood in front of me with her gun with the door open like I could escape down into the toilet <laughs> but she was just as he described she was so uptight that we should well under those conditions your whole body goes yeah. I went back to my seat with everything that I wanted to get rid of because I, you can't do dripping out of my ears kind of thing. And later when she come down, they all come down, they realized that their best psychology was to keep us calm, that kept the things under control. We were allowed to. When we got to Entebbe, um, as again I say, my sanity goes to my dear husband, um, People divided up by, by, by groups, by language, and we were allowed to take off the plane anything we had with us. We were lucky enough to be 
planning to spend overnight, so we had an overnight bag with us, which after a week of no showers and no nothing was really nice to have with you. Um, and the, and we were, the, the games that were on the plane, the kids had games and cards and whatever, and the groups uh, divided up. So there was an Israeli group. It was natural by language, and, and a French group and an American group and a whatever. The Israelis, of course, got busy planning how we were going to be um, rescued. And we met a lot of the soldiers during the years, and um, a lot of those plans were on the board. James Bond couldn't have done better kind of plans. And um, we even met the man who had tried out, in, had gone to Kenya, because they hoped they were thinking of sending paratroopers in, from Kenya over to us, over Lake Victoria, by um, landing in Lake Victoria, and, and then the dinghy boats open up, and, and then they bring them over, except they discovered that the alligators in the lake were faster than the dinghy boats opening up. And that's a true story, and they didn't do it that way. And they found in the end that the straight line, the, the, the most... The simplest plan was the most, um, probably the safest. You have to take into account that Israel built the old terminal and the, and the runways during that period when we were helping Idi Amin. So all the plans were here, which was a big help because they knew where they were going, how they were going, distances, etc., etc. The new, uh, the new uh, terminal was, was working, and when he said that Sulin was was there, he had evidently been gotten separated from his group, and it was all glass. And he could see them over there, but he didn't know how to get over to them. And um, citizen, not a soldier, as far as I know, shot him. Um, after, after, we sued Air France with a bunch of other of the, uh, hostages, and the agreement was that a percentage of whatever we got out of them uh, would contribute to build him a, a home for his special needs, and, and that was done. That was a little bit we could do for what he tried to do for us. Yeah. He, got a, he got an engineering degree, but okay, nobody chooses, okay? Um, of the, 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 being a prisoner is something you can't imagine. Okay, we none of us. I don't know if you have, but none of us have. My therapy was when we got to the states. Um, my sister's uh, synagogue, the the, um, the the bounds organization, found us and asked us to do a speaking tour. And I said, extend my ticket so that I can fly back El Al and, and be with my family the time that was allotted, and we'll be happy to do it. And for two weeks, that was my therapy. We went from city to city, sometimes twice in one day, and I told the story, 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 and that's how I got out of it, by chance. And it was a gift, really a gift. Okay? And it was a gift to Israel, because all the audience said, you poor dears, and they signed their checks. And... and, and uh, and, uh, and I think it went to the army. I don't know if it went to the state of Israel. It doesn't matter. It was um, good for both sides. What's the trial? Win-win situation. <laughs> we were there for a week. And we were fed. The, the horror was that my parents didn't know if we were being starved or we'd be beaten. That was the horror of the no communication. And we were bored to death because we weren't allowed out. We weren't allowed to do anything except sit around and plan how to get out of here. Uh, then the selection took place. 
Um, it, it was. A, I don't remember being terrified, but I think that you built up. Um, well, at least I did. Okay, everybody's story is so personal, and if I tell it with Ezra, I'm not always sure we were in the same place at the same time because it's so personal, and it's who you are at that moment in time. I had no kids at that time. Makes a big difference. I didn't leave anyone at home. It was just the two of us, all or nothing, traveling alone. I don't. I, I understand how. A little bit, I understand how horrible it must have been. Um, it was just a week you got through, and uh, you really needed to hang on to someone. Um, give me some more. I, I have a, a question. You have now said twice the word selection, yeah. and I think that is a appointed, chosen word that means a lot in our society. Yeah. But I think for a lot of us... Um, as Jews who know Jewish history, another recent time in our history where we've heard this word selection is when we're talking about the Shoah. So how does it feel to be a Jew that has a passport for the sovereign state of Israel once again being selected? Are you thinking about that at the moment? Can you no, think about that now, 40 but, years later? But there were people there who said to him, to, the terrorists wanted to talk to us, especially the German man. Ezra had a lot of conversations with him. And why they were doing what they were doing, this is their ideology. And last week they were in Basque Country, and the week before that they were in the Red Army, and the week before that they were in, in Japan, and whatever, and whatever, and whatever. And if, they knew, if they survive this mission, they'll go on to the next underdog that needs them. That's the, that's the man or woman who's ready to die for his cause is the one you have to be really scared of. And they did, and they did. Um, there was a man there with a number on his arm and he said to the German man this is what your father or grandfather did to me why, why how can you how, why uh, and he said the power that all the capitalism is bullshit and the democracy is bullshit and you just buy your governments says I don't know what Donald Trump would say about that today but um, and he said the power the real power is and he opened his jacket and he showed us his weapons okay and he was willing to, to die for it. He sat on that windowsill when the shooting started, and he didn't do anything. Did he have a pang of conscience? No. Or, no. No, completely. Why didn't he do anything? He just didn't. I don't know. You, I'm, not, I'm not trying to justify him, but... There was all surprise. But so surprised that they so just... So surprised. Nobody could realize that soldier will come from Israel. And, and uh, that, was, that was what saved us, the element of surprise. There was surprise. And, and, and even us, we were very surprised. And, you, and everybody... There is no army in the terminal. Our terminal was a policeman, not a soldiers. We had soldiers. You were there. Someone told me that the business unit and the Palestinian was in the there. Nothing's changed. I have one more question and then I think we'll open it up to the audience. Um, we're talking in 2016 um, about something that happened in 1976. Can you help us understand how you individually, Ilan, 
Janet, Yolam, processed this then in 1976 and how you see this now in 2016 has the way that of course wounds heal and new information comes out but um, today versus 40 years ago what stands out to you as these differences what comes to mind is it differences you know the comment of would our government today do this would they make this decision the idea of are we safer you know there was a yeah. That's fine. And that's Ezra. Hi. After 40 years, you can't escape it. Huh? Um, you know, there was over, I don't know the exact count as of this moment, but over 40 people were killed yesterday in Istanbul at an airport. Today, in 2016, how does this experience, being a part of something that happened in a Tebi, this historic rescue, but also this this amazing moment, this this success, this this miracle, this chance that it worked, how does it feel today? Uh, Come on, Ezra. My personal feeling is that. It cannot happen again. I think um, today, today the way of taking decision from the government and uh, the army and the risk, I think, I think it's it not the same. Um, um, like soldiers, they, they came to save us, did not realize exactly what is the mission. Um, Today cannot be like that. They should know everything, and everything should be calculated, and the risk is calculated, and the politics is calculated, and, and um, I think it's, it's different. And if it will happen today, um, the results will be quite different. I think maybe we will release the, the, the Palestinian uh, prisoner. Um, it, it, it is not the same fight, and it's not the, way, the same way of thinking. And, it, and it's okay, because we are not in the same generation, the not same communication, and not same uh, mentality even, and, um, and the world look at us differently. Um, so um, I, it's very difficult for me to see... Um, have a good reason to not to sleep. So, um, so finally, I went there with uh, the soldier, and what's happened? It's funny about the Mercedes because one of the soldier that uh, uh, came back there was the driver of the Mercedes. And when we land, we land at Antibi Airport and uh, to the new terminal, and they had to take us for the film on the old terminal and waited for us a black Mercedes. <laughs> so the driver said, no way, I'm driving the Mercedes. I will drive the Mercedes. Please, 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 I want to drive the Mercedes. So they said, okay, drive the Mercedes. So he came to drive the Mercedes. He opened the door and find out that the wheels are on the right side. And he said, Come on, 
we came with the Mercedes with the wheels on the left side. <laughs> so if they knew about it, they, I think they changed the plan because they want to surprise, they want why, why they took the Mercedes. The Mercedes is is every, because every day uh, Idi Amin Dada came to us with the black Mercedes with flags and on and on and come to visit us. So they was used to see us coming, uh, used to see a Mercedes, black Mercedes coming in uh, the terminal. So they wanted to to cheat them and to come with the Mercedes. Yes. Yes, but they didn't say that <laughs> the wheels are on the right. <laughs> uh, so, so this is a, a little anecdote. Also, I want to um, tell you about some story. But I was I, I'm French French speaker, so I have double nationality: French and Israeli nationality. So when I was I was there, I was sitting with the. Um, the, the, the pilots of Air France. Yes. So all the pilots, the, 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 the terrorists say that all the crew can leave and the pilot they ask all the crew uh, ask to stay. They decided to stay with us and not leave uh, us there. This is the first thing. But the second thing is that they were always thinking what will happen because they knew that uh, Israeli army will not uh, uh, do anything. They will try to, to come and maybe to make um, a mission or something. They, they knew that we prepare something. So they sit down and say, so what they can do? What the Israeli army can do? And thinking, thinking, that they say, maybe they can um, come with a plan. So they try to calculate because the fuel and, and on and on. And finally, um, they understood that it's impossible. So they said, no way Israeli army will not come to save us. And uh, after I discuss also with the, one of uh, uh, the pilots of uh, Hercules, and, and they say they feel the, the fuel until it was uh, full, more than full, that it's not uh, authorized because it's dangerous. And they say, we don't care. We put the fuel <laughs> and we have to go there. Um, another thing is that when I came back uh, from Antebi, I was not quiet because I was 17 years old. So I was young. And for me, uh, I could not understood that I was there and I could not understood that I came back from there. So for me, it was bad dream and um, when I came back I couldn't realize that I'm back I didn't want to sleep I didn't want to talk to anybody so I did not communicate 
I was staying and waiting to wake up, and and want I do not I didn't want to sleep because I was afraid to wake up in Antibi. So they didn't know what to do, and this time you know uh, all the shock and psychology and it did not exist. They didn't care about it. And uh, finally, finally, my sister said, "I know somebody that knows somebody that." Uh, uh, no a soldier that participated in Antebe and is a psychologist, is a doctor, maybe we'll go there and we'll ask for a, a, to help me about it. So I went there and uh, he, he was a psychologist and uh, I sit uh, in front of him and he say, okay, talk, I couldn't talk. Because Israel Rabin said that, uh, he said, why you don't want to talk? Because Israel Rabin said, we should not give any information, <laughs> you know, when we arrive uh, in, in Israel. So Israel Rabin talked to us and said, we should not give any information. So I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. And uh, finally, after half an hour, he understood that he will get, he will not uh, help me like this. So he asked me, "What uh, you, what do you remember uh, from uh, uh, the trauma?" Yes. So I said, "The smell, the smell, the smell of Afkat uh, uh, when the bullets uh, hits and we, 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 we lay down on the floor and, and I had this smell on my, my nose and, and he said and what else and I said what's happened to me is that I you know I say I stay seven days and I couldn't do nothing I couldn't just couldn't do nothing and this is was uh, for me, a big problem. So finally, he decided to to do something. He said, "Okay, you will come with me." He took me into his base floor. It was <laughs> old car, and he took me to a base, uh, Israeli base, with his gun, with Kalachnikov, and he gave me the Kalachnikov, and he told me start shooting. Uh, you see, he put uh, some uh, matarot and say, these are the terrorists and kill them. <laughs> so I was afraid to shoot, you know, and it was my first time I hold a gun. So I, I, I couldn't move, so coming back and started and we give one shot. And I like it. <laughs> so I say, you want to continue? I say, yes, I want to continue. So I give another shot and another shot and I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop and uh, finally I finish all the, the bullets ahead. And I can tell you that after this, it's the first time I realize that I'm in life. And, and I give a fight back. And, and I killed the terrorists. And I did something. And, um, and, and, um, and this is uh, 
He said, this doctor, he said that this is the first time that a Kalashnikov can save somebody <laughs> and, and release somebody and not kill somebody. And it's a cure. So the Kalashnikov for me was a cure. Um, um, and another story is about the airplane. When I was uh, hijacked into the airplane, like you, I don't know if you remember, but the woman terrorist uh, wanted to have, uh, you know, to keep everybody quiet. So she took me in the front of the plane and she put the gun here and here for about three hours. Three hours, I had the gun on my head and I couldn't move and I was afraid to speak and she was troubling and desolate. I, I was afraid that uh, she, by mistake, would kill me. Not she wanted to kill me, but she was so nervous. And, um, and uh, I can tell you that for uh, this time, when I see a gun and I see the, how do you say, a hawk, I always remember these uh, three hours that I saw the gun on, the, on my front of me and, and, and I couldn't move. Finally, she forgot about me. They called her. They took me back. And, uh, and that's it. About the plane, the first plane when landed in uh, Antebe, uh, so uh, there was light. So the light, they calculated, they knew that the TWA plane will land uh, at a special time. No, it was not like that. Two hours before uh, midnight, uh, air, uh, American airplane uh, take off from Antebe. And it's usual what the emergency order in um, airport is to keep the tower, the control tower open if something happened that they can return back. And we came as we returned back by uh, the, we, we not changed the, there is a, some uh, legend. Just came after you. Uh, no, 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 no. Two hours, two hours before, two hours before the, uh, the American airplane was uh, take off it was a civilian uh, flight, okay? okay? And we came as an American airplane that returned back to Antebe. Okay? Okay? Ah, 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 if you understand the intelligence, the Mossad, uh, uh, I think that the, the big hero of uh, this uh, operation was not Sayyidat Matkar, was Khel Avir, was the Air Force. Because the Air Force is, uh, can take us and return us back uh, uh, safely in life. And uh, that is the big mission to to fly eight hours to land it in the. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? 
All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.